Look at the outfit. My, is there, is, is, my attorney's arrived. I thought it was just you. Jesus. <laughs> it's John, you look so handsome. Thank you. Jealous? I, put your headphones on. Be a professional, John. Well, your headphones aren't on. Well, I don't want to mess up my hair. Me neither. To literally with me. Um, so today, John Lovitz, um, who is certifiably insane. And I don't say it lightly. And I would say it to his face. I didn't, as you'll hear. I never actually said that to his face. But um, let's face it. Show business is filled with people who are mm, not normal. Is that? I think everybody would Agree with that. And among people who are mm, not normal, uh, John Lovitz is certifiably insane. And he's one of the funniest men, um, naturally, truly, just who he is, really, really funny. I've known him forever and ever and ever. And uh, I'm really happy to share this interview with you, which incidentally was probably the very first interview we did when we started the podcast back in March. And we've been saving it. And we've figured now it's time to finally unleash the Lovitz insanity. But um, pay close attention to the fact that this was done when we could actually have actual human beings in the room. So there will be people laughing. And it's not our attempt at a soundtrack, a bad soundtrack, like a sporting event. Although I'm thinking about doing that. It's like every bad piece of TV you watch now, there's just like the clearly artificial fake crowd underneath it to make us think everything's normal. This could be a test for that. Anyway, this is the very first one we ever recorded. So um, hopefully I've learned to be better since this thing you're about to listen to. Here it is. How long have we known each other, would you say? Uh, well, I think I first met you when you hosted SNL back in... 90. Was it? Yeah, what, is that the year? It was 90. Yeah. I My first memory of, of you was uh, when you do Saturday Night Live, you... Um, it's a very big day when when you decide what's when they decide what's going to be on the air or not, and the host gets to have a say in it and all of the yeah. The, after the, dress rehearsal goes from like eight to ten, and and then you go in the room and 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 then it goes a long time. And people <clears> decide, and everybody's gone home. And I walk out. There's only one person at the door waiting, and it's John Lovitz. <laughs> and you were like, "What's happening?" Well, they brought me in last. No, they wanted you to. You were trying to figure out if if your if your sketches got on. No, that's not. You were. No, they they no. The dress rehearsal goes from eight to ten, and then that you you know you go into Lauren's office with the host and everybody and the head writer, and they're picking stuff, and then one by one they go, "Will this sketch work?" Lauren says, and then we'll bring in so and so, and then finally at ten thirty they bring everybody in. Oh, so you were. Sometimes they have to change. Well, they'll do fourteen sketches and they'll cut six. It's like an hour of show, so they want to know. If you have time to make the change from, say, if they change the order of the sketches, because between sketches, you'll have like two minutes to change. Did you, do you have to go in there and defend your sketches? You wrote, didn't no, you, in no. the first season? Did yeah, you I wrote a lot, yeah. Or usually with somebody or or by myself, but usually with, yeah, with someone. But yeah, I wrote my stuff and half of it. and then. But I have to say when I was there, most of my, almost all my stuff always got in. 
What what made you was it the liar was that the one that broke through for you first because everybody has that yes. moment where the character goes crazy and everybody falls in love with it the liar it was just an inside joke between a friend of mine and I a friend of mine a girl that I liked forever and she'd say I like a guy with a fat wallet and I go oh well my dad just had fifteen oil wells come in and um and I go well I am a pathological liar it just started like that and then I did it in the groundlings where we'd have to create a character. And then the audience would ask you questions. So I'd said, you know, hello, my name is Tommy Flanagan. I'm a member of Pathological Liars Anonymous. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm the president of that organization. <laughs> and then Robin Schiff, who uh, wrote Romy and Michelle's Big Adventure and Big Writer, she was in the group. She goes, John, you set it up perfect. You could say anything. She goes, let's try it. What's your favorite sport? And I went, um, uh, uh, bowling. And it just seemed funny because you knew he was lying. And, and I realized, I go, oh, my God, I didn't even see it. The, the first monologue I wrote was, a, was like a guide at uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but instead it's Pathological Liars Anonymous. And, of course, AA is not funny, but I'd hear, you know, oh, my name is Bob, and here's my story. So I thought it would be funny if, if a guy got up and said a story and then just started lying about it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so, That's very funny. Yeah. So I did it, and then, then Whitney, I always give him 50-50 credit after that because he really helped me expand it. Oh, wait, I know what I want to ask you about. Tell me about the yes. – um, the master, the master thespian, was yes. he based? Was he based on anybody? A few people. I was. I went to um, uh, college at UC Irvine, and uh, I had a great teacher, uh, William Needles, who was a uh, founding member of the Stratford Festival, Shakespearean Festival in Canada. Yeah. So he would have been like in England. He'd be Sir William Needles. You know, he was. But anyway, the point is, he taught us Shakespeare, Rob. So I'd never heard any. So he gets up, he goes, he spoke like this. He goes, all right, well, I'm going to teach you Shakespeare. So this is the opening chorus from Henry V. <clears throat> oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. And I'm like, what the fuck's that? I'd never heard anything like it. You know, it was crazy. So I kind of based it on him. And I like old movies, John Barrymore mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, and, 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 um, John Carradine or that big booming voice. They all act like that. Get out! You know, and, and so I made it all that. And Lawrence Olivier I loved. So I made up a character. So all my characters are arrogant idiots, like, but likable. So you, there's this actor who thinks he's the greatest actor ever. And he's horrible, but he has no clue that he's horrible. And he's always the same. Just horrible, but he loves acting, you know. And then when people comment on how bad he is, he gets his feelings hurt. <laughs> I can't believe Very it. Very easily. And then... And they go, I'm sorry. He goes, don't be acting, you know. So I'm, and I did that in the Growlings. And yeah, that was a fun character. To I'm, do. A, I'm, a, I'm a massive SNL fan, as you, as you can tell. And Oh, you know, I, I used to be on the show. I, that's what they tell me. And um, there's always the – it's kind of like being a sports fan where you argue about who is the best team of all time. And people obviously uh, argue about who is the best not ready for primetime players cast of all time. I think your cast – and it's good. It sounds blasphemous. Is even better than the original. Not ready for prime time. Well, I, mean, I really do. Who am I? So you're to so, argue. You're no one to argue. You right. you say? Thank well, you. people ask me that, and I always say, I think. The wait, wait. Let's go through who. So you're. It's Dana Carvey. Well, Mike. my first year, you see, it was it wasn't those people. Uh, by the way, I always think the original cast was the best because like, we're following in their footsteps. But the, my first year, it was a. Uh, Dennis Miller and um, 
Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, you were in that group. And Terry originally. Sweeney and Randy wow. Quaid and Nora Dunn and Denitra Vance and Joan Cusack and myself. And then the next year, they they kept Nora and Dennis and I. And then they got brought on Dana Carvey. And he brought on Kevin Nealon, and I helped Phil get on. Well, I didn't, not just me, but they go, who do you work with? I go, Phil. But other, Lorraine Newman and Charles Grodin, they recommended Phil too, as, and they had recommended me, which, you know, helped tremendously. So it's, so. And then, for, and then uh, it was Dana, there was eight of us for four years before Mike got there. It was Dana, Phil, Hartman, Kevin Nealon, Dennis Miller, and myself. So there was five men, and then the three women were uh, Nora, Jan, Jan Hooks, Hooks. Mm-hmm. and Victoria Jackson. <laughs> I like Jan Hooks. She's oh. cute. Oh, did you? Mm, I don't remember that. No, don't you, John? Long don't, time don't, ago. Um, Wasn't don't, married then. I don't remember. Funny, funny smart women. My downfall. Um, the, uh, yeah, I think, I think that group, the 90 group, was the group, for sure. And Phil, it was your, your best buddy. I did a... I, Phil was the king of the groundlings, and I got to understudy. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I just died. A play he was in, and he and uh, because of that, I got in the groundlings. So he was like my big brother, who I adored and wanted to be like him, and I idolized him. And we became very close friends, like brothers. Um, Jan, stop talking about Jan. No, okay, Jan. Rob Blow. <laughs> Jonathan Lovitz. This is why this is why I wanted you on the show. Because I nobody has you. What? No okay. one has my personality. Look at my questions. I got a list of them. Wait, I have a better question. All right, I go think ahead. people want to know more about this. All right, what? It seems to me, why don't you have some kind of facial cream that doesn't make people age? You know, you and Cindy Crawford, you don't age. And I know you told me once, well, my dad, you should see my dad in jeans. But what is it? You have all your hair. You have no wrinkles. Well, I do. Ha- I actually do have my own line of of men's skincare because can people I have ask it? me that. Yes, you do. What's it called? It's called Profile for men. Oh, and there's a line called Cobalt, which is uh, another iteration of it. You can go look it up. But I don't well, want. Plus, you stayed thin. That helps. Um, I expanded quite. Have a bit. you Have you been on diets ever? <laughs> ever? Shut up. Ever? Has that ever occurred to you? Y- yeah, you dick. Okay. I was on a pie. A pie diet. Ooh, I would throw it's down delicious, on a pie diet. It's delicious, but it doesn't work. Um, do you know that I took Farley to dinner, Chris Farley to dinner once, and he ate two bone-in porterhouse steaks, two, and on top of every bite, he put a an entire cube of butter. Okay, bone-in. I thought we were going to stop talking about Jan Hooks. Oh, my God. <laughs> No interest in the Farley story? You None? brought it up. Nothing? No, I, I was very good friends with Chris. I don't know what it takes for people to believe that you can't do those drugs. They're going to kill you. <laughs> I don't know what, how many people have to die. It's like you go, I want to scream at them like, don't be an idiot. Like it's, you, you go, no, it won't affect me. You go, it, yes, it'll affect everybody. You nuts. The thing about Chris. It's very sad about Chris. I tried, believe me, I, I tried to help him from the day I met him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The day I met him, I called Jim Belushi's. Agent said, could you have Jim call this guy? He idolizes John Belushi. Mm-hmm. And after Chris died, I said to Jim, did you ever call Chris? He said, yes. I said, what, did you get my message? He goes, yes. I go, what did you say to him? 
And Jim said, I said, my brother's dead. You get it? So if you're listening, don't just don't even try the stuff. Just don't. I said, don't bone in. I mean, it's kind of a mic drop. All right, Rob. I'll, I mean, I'll, I don't mean to interrupt. I'll let you ask your question. Where were we? Where? <laughs> no, the show's better when you run it. Um, <laughs> Ali McGraw. Ali McGraw. Well, you were young and twenty-one, and you know older women like younger. She was. Of, she was rattling around Broad Beach when I was growing up in Malibu. Didn't you have a house in Malibu? Yeah, I rented it with Mark Gerwitz. Well, I heard you didn't live with Brad Pitt, did you? No, that's a story. No, that's another story. Oh, we wouldn't want to hear that. Forget that. No, we're not interested in that. Who wants to hear about you? Well, and Brad Brad's Pitt? manager rented the house next door, and she had all her dogs. So her dog, Cynthia Pett, his manager, who you saw in the he brought to the Oscars. She was looking. Her dog was looking through the window of my house at the cats. I go, "What is your dog doing? He's going to kill a cat." No, no, he loves cats. The next day, oh, Brad Pitt was staying at the house next door. The next day, Brad's walking down the beach. Anyway, he's walking all these dogs. Next thing I know, Mark Gertz, uh, uh, we're friends. We run into the house again. He goes, he starts going, your cat's dead. I go, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Turns out that the, that the oh, this is a funny story. So the, so not funny, but. It was, it was funny with Brad the cat's death. That was Pitt really. was walking nine dogs and Cynthia's dog, who was staring at my cats, Broke away the next morning, ran into the house, into my bedroom, and murdered my cat. Broke his neck. The best cat ever. Like, a, like unbelievable. And I got this cat after my dad had died, and it helped me, like, feel better. And he attacked Mark's cat. And so then Brad, my cat's dead. And then Cynthia's like, I'll get you another cat. I go, what are you, get me another cat. I told you yesterday your dog is going to kill my cats. That night. Cynthia also manages Courtney Cox, who I've been friends with since um, this movie, Mr. Destiny, 1988. Really close friends with her. I go to their house that night, and there's Cynthia, and she's crying, and these five women. And they go, what is going on? Oh, we feel so bad for Cynthia. I go, you feel bad for Cynthia? My cat was killed, murdered, most foul, in my bedroom. Right? And Courtney goes, well, it's food chain. I go, what? Excuse me? Food chain? Yeah, cats kill dogs. I go, my cat was in my bedroom minding its own business. The dog came in and murdered my cat. Five years later, someone says to me, Courtney Cox's grandmother died. And I said, oh, tell her food chain. <laughs> Three years later, I see her at a Dodger game. And I go, oh, Courtney, because a celebrity game, and her husband, at the, David Arquette's playing baseball. And I see her. Like, oh, she goes, you're still mad about it? I go, yeah, food chain. I go, I heard your grandma died, food chain. I go, just say you're sorry, Courtney. She goes, okay, I'm sorry. I go, okay, fine. Un yeah. Unbelievable. I, if someone you, slams me, I, I you, go. You hold a grudge. I go back times 10. That's called being Jewish. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Now we're back with Rob Lowe. I just want to circle back to the cat who died for a minute here. You do you have a thing where you name your 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 animals after people? After my friends. Yeah, my cat was Mark, Mr. Mark Stevenson, named after Mark Gervitz. 
I have a dog now, Jerry Bruckheimer the <laughs> third. Wait, he was named after my cat, Jerry Bruckheimer. You named your cat Jerry Bruckheimer? For the Jerry Bruckheimer is one of the biggest producers. You guys have seen his, yes. his names in credits. Of- I had two cats, Jerry and Linda Bruckheimer. Jerry and Linda, the wife. You've got to do it because what happens is I've got you to go, do it. Oh, look, look, Linda Bruckheimer's taking a big crap in the kitty litter box. And they get really mad, but it's hysterical. That's why? Like I have a dog, Rob Lowe. Oh, dude, I got to go. Rob Lowe's taking a big crap in the park. Rob Lowe has diarrhea. Yeah. Try it. Try it. Because uh, I, I do animal, I do people names for my dogs, but they're just like Eddie and, you know. Yeah, Bella. I like to name them after my friends. Do your friends ever get mad? Mm-hmm. What does Jerry Bruckheimer think about it? No, he's very, he's very um, uh, touched by it. How, yeah, how touched is yeah, he? Is, it, is he ever giving you a job in any of his big hits? Is he that touched by it? Well, he'll say he did, but he says I passed. Dane and I were supposed to do Bad Boys originally. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't whoa. pass Hold them. the phone. <laughs> well, you didn't know that? You and Dana Carvey as the original Bad Boys? Yeah. How bad could you have been? Well, Not it, so bad, I it was. Think. It was a, yeah, it was a long story. But I, I said I would do it, and then went over to Columbia, and Barry Josephson was the president of Columbia. He used to be my manager who I'd fired. And he, so then he said, let's switch it up. And so uh, they, it worked said, out. He said, let's switch it up to something that could be a hit. That, you <laughs> bastard. I didn't think I'd be this mean to my to one of my earliest guests. That's okay. You're a huge movie star, and now you're doing a podcast interviewing <laughs> me. Hmm. Catch a falling uh, star. Catch two falling stars. Uh, um, my, no. you, John, you may have told my single favorite Oh, wait a minute. You ever. just got a new show, too, right? I do. I, I, I'm on uh, 911 Lone Star. You're welcome. I was up for that part, and I said, let Rob do it. I have to go to the bathroom. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Um, do you remember hosting? It was a big, very important charity event um, honoring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Yeah, Tom Arnold put together a roast. It was to help him raise funds. Yes. Do you remember, do you remember your opening And I was a Democrat, line? but I said, yeah, Arnold's, Arnold's my friend. I'll do it. I don't care. Do you remember what you said? Yeah. Do you remember your single killer? My line? opening line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, what happened was uh, I said, yeah, I said, uh, you know, uh, I like Arnold, but I was, I was at the U.S. Open playing tennis. And at the end of it, I'm waiting for a car from, from uh, friends of mine. With some friends of mine, there's like 50 people waiting for these town cars, and all of a sudden a limo drives up, and uh, and the window rolls down, and it's Arnold, and he goes, John, forget to do your abs today. <laughs> and then he rolls the window up and drives away, and everyone's laughing at me. And then tonight I said, I wear my my nice, really nice, you know, cashmere suit, and, and I take a picture with Arnold tonight, and he goes, nice suit, is it made from drapes? <laughs> I said, so, and now tonight... Uh, I go, now, Arnold, it's my turn. <clears throat> I go, now it's my turn to say something. I have one thing to say to you. And I go, well, I think tonight's the first time a Jew's roasted a Nazi. <laughs> no, no, no. And by Nazi, I mean when he was um, a movie star, I did not see him becoming a governor. I was there for it. I remember it. And like then it I yesterday. said something about it. I go, but Arnold, he's got the, 
the the soul of a hero and the heart of a pig because he had that pig valve. <laughs> it was a roast. My, We're supposed to roast. My them. favorite is the explanation. He had the heart of a pig valve. It's the pig valve, Rob. Give me, do you have any Chris Farley stories? Uh, sure. So one time, uh, let me. <laughs> he spade you. Well, one, to f- I'm trying to think of the one I can tell. I know that's the thing so about one time, Can't really tell that many stories. They're having these uh, a '93. I was shooting a movie called City Slickers 2 with Jack Palance and Billy Crystal, Culver City. And we look on the news and Malibu's on fire. The whole thing. Yep. I'm watching the news. I see my house on the beach, right? From a helic on the news, from a helicopter from above. Anyway, I'm talking to I think David Spade. He goes, Yeah, I Chris is at the beach. I said, Chris, where are you? He goes, I'm at the, you know, Loves and Gervis' beach house. He goes, I go, how's he? He goes, it's, it's, re- it's nice, but it's really cloudy. <laughs> and Spade goes, you idiot. Get out of there. Those aren't clouds. It's from the fire. It's smoke. So I go, so he's there now? Yeah. So I called up the beach house, and I was stuck in Culver City. doing. The- I said, Chris, and he answered the phone. Are you at the beach house? Yeah, I go, can you do me a favor? What, can you, like, Get some stuff for me because I thought my house was going to burn down because across the street, it was right near Carbon Beach. The fire station was on fire. That's the not fire good. station. That's not good. So I said, Can you get my books? And he goes, No, I'm going to get like three things. I go, Come on, you jerk. Get it. Goes, no, no, no. Anyway, he was out in the ocean. He thought it was cloudy. It was all the smoke from the fire. That's. And I'm five doors down, a house burned down. I mean, it was all around. This beach house sounds like it was kind of a nightmare for you. No, it was a lot of fun. Animals were murdered. Well, just that one time. Brad never said he was sorry. If you then take- I ran into him. He goes, remember that time? You might kid the dog. I go, yeah, Brad. You want to say you're sorry? I've known Brad before he was famous. His manager said, can you say hi to this client of mine? He's a big fan of yours. What's the name? Brad Pitt. I go, all right. No one had heard of him. Years ago. You understand? <laughs> so I said, and I go, okay, what's his name again? Brad? Oh, hey, Brad, it's John Lovitz. Hey, John! You're so fucking funny. Uh-uh. That's Brad Pitt? I know. <laughs> yeah, and then I ran into him years later. I go, Brad, remember when I was the big star and you were nobody and I was nice to you? Always, John. I go, okay, don't forget. Do more, He's a very nice guy. He's he from the Midwest. Ni- He's a very nice guy. Can you do more Brad Pitt impersonations, though? Because that was amazing. Let's see. <laughs> you mean him sound like a like lamb chop? Hey, John, I love it. It's so fucking funny. When you do impersonations. And I said, I know. Do you have like a. Do like you need a, an acting class? Do you have to do a thing like, like Dana Carvey used to talk about how he would come up with his impersonations. He has a whole theory oh, about it. It's great. Oh, a bunch of crap. Dana makes that up. He just does it. Do you, how do you make stuff up? He analyzes <laughs> it like that, but that's not how he really does it. How does he really do it? I guess I should ask him. Like anyone, he listens to the guy and you're you're listening for um, things they repeat and you're listening for their, the rhythm of their, it's musical. It's like music. You're listening to the rhythm of how they talk. So when they imitate me, this is him, Danny imitating me. Oh, fine. Then they exaggerate it. It's I not, know. John, that sounded just Don't like you. do it. No, this is Dana doing me. Oh, fine. 
I don't talk like that, Rob. I talk like this. It's the most meta moment ever. It's John imitating Dana doing himself. I do layered impressions. I did. What does layered impressions mean? Well, it's people imitating somebody imitating. Like, it's not instead of just going, I'll do an imitation of Rob. I go, this is my, I'll do the imitation of Rob Lowe, you, imitating Dana Carvey. I love that. Imitating me. Right? Give give me your best layered impression. Hello, I'm John Lovitz. You're good. (laughs) Now, here's Dana imitating you imitating me. Hello, I'm John Lovitz. It's too much. It's too much. You're actually better. Thank you. At that impersonation of me than Dana. But it's it's another layer. It's layers. Who's your... Here's my imitation of my dog imitating you, right? Imitating my housekeeper. Yes. He can't do it. <laughs> I was lying. I th- I thought the face you were giving me just now was was the imitation. That was my dog just looking like I have no idea just what you're doing. Blinking talking about. But the dog's alive. Jerry Bruckheimer the second. I'll show you a picture of him. My dog is is a he's not like a I don't even like calling him a dog. Yeah, no kidding. You named him after one of the biggest producers. Well, in Hollywood. he's like a person, you know. Well, I am. Does he play hockey like Jerry Bruckheimer? No, he's like a person. Oh, he's very cute. I'm a big dog person. I would have brought him, but I, I have uh, other things I have to do today. Otherwise, I normally I would bring him. He's with me. That's a very yeah. good dog. He's very cute. He And he sometimes he says stuff. Like I'll say, where's the dog? And he looks around. And I go, where's the and One time I said, where's the dog? And he went, oh. And I go, <laughs> and I looked at someone. I said, didn't it just sound like he said, I don't know? And then he went, I don't know. And then he said it. And I fell over. I go, did you hear that? And he goes, yes. Another person heard it. He didn't talk all the time. I have the same. Except I, today. You know what he said today? What did he say? Are you really doing Rob's podcast? <laughs> I said, yes. I have a dog. That, it's true. Dogs do talk. I had a dog when I'd come home from work and I'd say, how are you? How are you, little Dave? you go, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. Well, my dog said, you're, I said, I'm doing Rob. I go, I can't bring you, Jerry. I'm doing Rob Lowe's podcast. He goes, ask him that he sleep with Bonnie Ringwald. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this. Okay, let me ask you this. Who was the one that you really wanted? And then you go, the one that got away. Way before you ever met your wife. Years ago, when you were like 20, you know, you went, oh, oh, why did I not lay down in the bed of roses Mm. and make sweet honeysuckle love? Who would that be? Honeysuckle love? I don't know. You're not saying anything, so I have to fill the dead air time. Um, That would be Madonna in the day. Oh, so you never, you could have, but you didn't. Well, circumstances prevented. It's in my book, John. It's in my book. Read my book. Circumstances prevented it. Um, Oh, you mean you couldn't get a boner? Okay. (laughs) No, that would be one of them. All right. We're going to end this up with a couple quick rapid fire questions for you. Um, Okay. Has there ever been a cartoon character you wanted to have sex with? Oh, yes. Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Right. Betty Rubble. Mm-hmm. Hot. Yeah, hot. Really hot. Mm. You know who I liked? I liked the sophisticated... Blondie. 
purple-eyed cat in the Aristocats. It, I, was, I was really little, but still. No, what's the one? Um, well, they made cross it. Not species? Do, <laughs> you say cross species? Yeah. The, what's the one? I think it was, um, what's the, not not the Dukes of Hazard, but they did a thing where, oh, uh, Little Abner in the blonde with the little crop top and the real short Daisy Dukes. Shorts. Was that Little Abner? I don't know Little Abner. Anyway, her. Which would you rather see, John? A UFO, a ghost, or Bigfoot? I think a ghost. I think Bigfoot would eat me uh, because of all the pie. He'd probably smell it. And uh, I did see a UFO once. No, well, see, I knew there was a reason this question would work. Well, well tell me about this. I'm a, I'm this is a, what I saw. I'm I, obsessed I, with this. I used to go to camp and... Um, from 14 to 17, up in Northern California near Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is, is an epicenter for this stuff. I mean, I'm told. It is? Oh. I don't really know. Well, anyway, so up there, the air was, you know, extremely, uh, It was you're, you're away from the city, so there's no light. So there's right. a, millions of stars. So you look, I look up, you see shooting stars. Anyway, I was 16. I was looking up at the sky one night, just looking at the stars. And it looked like two stars, um, but they weren't. But they, two lights chasing each other all across the sky, and really fast, and like going like in a figure eight all over. And so in my mind, I go, "Well, is this something on my retina? Is this fireflies? No, I'm seeing this." And I watched it, and then all of a sudden, the two of them went one following the other went to my left below the horizon, right? But crazy fast. So fast that I thought, okay, if they're going that fast and I'm really seeing this, they're going to pop up on the other side of the horizon, the opposite side, right? So I turned to the other side and I waited. And sure enough, like seven seconds later, they both came up. So it circled the earth. Yeah, it circled. And I saw it, you know. But it looked like two lights, two stars chasing each other. Did you think you were crazy? Well, we know you're crazy. But did you think you were crazy then? (laughs) No. But I knew nobody would believe me, but that's what I saw. It's I amazing. saw it. I mean, you know. Mount Shasta. Man. What's your explanation, Rob Blue? I have none. I have none. I want to see a UFO badly. John Lovitz, you, sir, are a genius. This is one of our first podcasts we've done. And you've. I was told it was the first. Is not the first? It is. The, we may not air it as the first, it is the first one I've done. This oh. is the first one I've done. How can you not air it at the first? Ratings. We need a bigger name. Well, blah, blah, blah. We're well no one's going to listen to the first one if it sucks. <laughs> you got to make the first one the best, funniest one. And on that note, we say goodbye <laughs> to the wonderful, the incomparable, <laughs> the amazing Johnny Q. Lovitz. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you, sir. John Lovitz. I mean, come on. Now, now you know what we've all been dealing with in show business with John Lovitz. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no one like that guy. And, and, and what I'm left with always when I spend time with John is he is a true original. There is nobody who thinks like that. There's nobody who talks like that. He has been 100% true to himself and his worldview of what he thinks is funny and how to be funny. And that authenticity is, is what makes a star and what makes 
someone have a long-lasting, impactful career. You, you, could, you could see a version of it where people are like, wait, what? And it just goes to show you, you know, you don't have to fit in any box. You really don't. If you've got something to offer, um, and even if it's weird, um, there's a place for you. And uh, Johnny is one of my favorite people because of that. Well, this has literally been my pleasure. And hopefully, I'll see you next week. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced by Devin Tory Bryant and Delina Turman. Engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stitcher.